For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Grassroots Marketing and our coverage of the MJ Business Conference 2023. Here, where we have had, you know, quite a few people. First of all, I want to make a shout out to Sean Kelly, who actually did quite a few interviews for us from the show floor in Vegas. So I want to go ahead and shout out to him. Great job he did out there. And, you know, to get a chance to go and talk to the folks after the fact, from what was, I'm sure, a whirlwind madhouse that is MJ Business on a regular basis. I'm here right now with two folks that are, uh, individually partners and principals of Minnesota's first and only strategic consultancy exclusive of the cannabis industry. They led the Minnesota's Ready campaign to legally uh, legalize adult use cannabis in Minnesota and now shaping the nation's best cannabis industry. So I'm here again with partners and principals of Blunt Strategies, Laley Fadahi and Laura Mongisberg. Laura, Laley, thanks for being on us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, I can't say I've followed up followed up enough on Minnesota right now when it comes to where things are. But at the moment, Minnesota, is it currently medical and adult use or is it just one or the other? Where are we at right now in the status? We are now an adult use state. So we legalized adult use cannabis this summer. The law went into effect on August 1. Um, so we're proud to be the 23rd state. Uh, to legalize adult use cannabis, and I believe we're the eleventh to have home grow. Um, so that's where we are now. Yeah. So first off, you know the idea that the Midwest is also getting quite a few states that are getting green lit for adult use of medical. Ohio also being added to that mix. What is it about right now? Where it's just? Do you feel like when it comes to legalization and what states are finally getting legalized? You know, Maryland was last year. You think about or New York as well about which states are getting, is it just a matter of just that it was just a matter of time that eventually organically certain states were going to get crossed off and shaded as cannabis legal? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, ultimately it's a matter of time for all states. Um, you know, you look within individual states and across the country, the vast majority of people support the legalization of adult use cannabis. And that was the case in Minnesota for many years, but the thing that has been a specific challenge in Minnesota and a few of the other states that haven't gone legal yet is we don't have ballot initiatives. We're not one of those states that you can, you know, put it, uh, circulate a petition, get enough people to sign it. It goes on the ballot and then people on Election Day vote for it. Had that been the case, we would have legalized a lot earlier. In Minnesota, it had to go through the legislature. And like a lot of the states that haven't gone legal yet, this is a purple state. There is no 
clear dominance by either Republicans or Democrats. And so that made the political dynamics much more difficult, which is where the the campaign that we led, MN is ready. That's a lot of what we had to do to get to this stage was figure out the political dynamics and make sure um, that people were, you know, engaged with the legislative process to and and working to elect folks that, that supported legalization. Let's focus on Minnesota just a little bit, because right now, and the current state of where things are with cannabis, they've been trying to get their Office of Cannabis Management on board, get the, legal, the regulators on board. But one of the things they've had is that there have been some issues with some of the people they've brought on board to get things started and get the ramp up of the plan to have the dispensaries on track to open by 2025. So you had one cannabis entrepreneur that was named the director of the OCM in Minnesota, but resigned the day after. And then another person came on and she's taking a job with the city of Minneapolis. So there's a lot of things that are going on where we're not getting the infrastructure set just as, as easy, just getting the people in charge to get in place. And I know the governor there, Tim Waltz, is trying to go and get that all worked out. Uh, when you look at some of those things right now, the kind of delays we might get for that, because, you know, we've seen things like this, obviously, in other states where they, the rollouts don't go out completely smoothly. But what do you see about what's going on around Minnesota, just trying to get the the leadership in order? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the administration here has continued to do a good job in managing people's expectations that this is going to be a uh, lengthy process that needs to be robust. Um, you know, we created a statute, a very unique statute um, that's unlike that of any other state. And it's one that prioritizes local Minnesota businesses. That's going to require a robust approach to rulemaking as well, because our law is fundamentally so different. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the snafu with the the initial appointment of the Office of Cannabis Management, we thought that that was a poor choice. We sounded the alarm bells on that. But, you know, the response from the governor's office was to address it immediately and to address it by saying we're going to restart the search. We're going to prioritize finding somebody that has the type of qualifications that we're hearing from local advocates, from local industry from those in the know that we need. And they're in the process of doing that search now. They have hired recently uh, a gentleman uh, that's taking the position of sort of the lead regulator. You know, they've brought in a very strong chief of staff for the Office of Cannabis Management. And as folks that, you know, are are working both on the industry side and the government side, we've had a chance to, to connect with the folks. And I continue to feel confident that um, our administration is taking it seriously that they're out there looking for the right person to head up the office of cannabis management but in the meanwhile they are proceeding with staffing that agency with folks that know what they're doing and they've begun to do the engagement work with industry so i'm confident that they are still on the timeline that they indicated early on now with minnesota as well one of the areas that i would imagine based on also the political sand that minnesota has that social equity would be very important and at the moment, what I'm reading about so far, legalization, the bill has already established three programs, cannabis industry startup financing grants, cannabis industry navigation grants, and cannabis industry training grants administered by the Department of Employment and Economic Development. And there will be new programs that will be put in starting in 2026, awarding $15 million each year to eligible organizations and communities of people 
who would qualify as social equity licensing applicants. Now, one of the years I always think about when it comes to social equity, we talk about this constantly on this program and on Blunt Business. And one of the areas I want to bring across, you know, when it comes to this year, is that who are the ones that get licenses? You know, on based on the the criteria of obviously we have those that this is meant to be for those that have been disenfranchised, oppressed, you know, giving opportunities to those that, that would not have the opportunity thus. But one of the areas I always look at is that is consideration of who's going to get those licenses, the funding, just the startup. Because then are those those particular particular licensees, are they going to have the wherewithal to be able to go ahead and get the business off the ground at the initial funding? They can't expect, you know, to have more funding after that necessarily. And if they do, will they be able to get sustain and last more than a year, two years, five years to keep the business up? And if it's not them, what about the legacy operators? I don't know how many there would be in the state of Minnesota, but is that something where is there a pipeline or a ramp or an educational process for those legacy operators to come in that would have more of a business savvy and would some of them would have been pretty responsible, hopefully, that they wanted to go and do right by the industry, even though it was illegal, but they were still trying to go and serve a customer base that had a demand for it. When you look at the social equity that's being done so far in Minnesota and has been set up, what do you think about that and who gets to be benefit benefiting from it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited to answer that question, and especially, you know, when it comes to the legacy operators. This was something that was very important to us. And, you know, folks that were legacy operators were involved in helping us even with the drafting of this piece of legislation pretty centrally. And so one thing that Minnesota's law does, it's straight off the bat. It gives you points if you, uh, your parents, your children are folks that have been adversely impacted by the war on drugs. And that can be, you know, that you've had a uh, criminal conviction. Um, you know, you list that on your application, but it can also be something more qualitative that you just describe um, in narrative format, the ways in which the war on drugs has adversely impacted um, you, your community, and your family. And so that was very important to us and to the legislators that worked on this to make sure that folks in the legacy market um, do have that opportunity and a supported opportunity to be able to transition um, from the legacy market into the regulated um, marketplace. And then, you know, so the grant programs that you mentioned, those are definitely uh, designed to help lower the barriers of entry to folks that are coming from, um, you know, communities that have experienced, you know, disinvestment essentially because of the war on drugs and other, um, you know, avenues of systemic uh, racism. Um, but exactly as you say, you know, that in and of itself is not enough to guarantee that people are going to be successful. That was one of the major things that motivated the, our approach to Minnesota's law to be to set a cap on the scale of what a cannabis business can even be. You're saying, I mean, you're leveling the entire you know, playing field by saying, you know, nobody can be cultivating, getting a license to cultivate beyond, say, 30,000 square feet, which is what we allow for a bulk cultivator. Or, you know, you can have a vertically integrated business up to a 15,000 square foot grow. You're already keeping these, you know, sort of giant corporations, especially from out of state, from coming into Minnesota and having to compete with our smaller businesses. Instead, what we've created is 
an economy and a business ecosystem where folks are collaborating a lot more together, um, supporting one another's businesses. And we think that kind of um, more communitarian approach to the industry certainly helps those who are in the social equity pool. Laura, you may have more to add to this. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, so the social equity work is obviously critically important and that's why it was elevated. And, you know, we really worked hard to make sure that it was codified in the bill that passed. Uh, that was extremely top of mind for us and, and really wouldn't, you know, one of the main things that made us excited about working on this effort at that level. I just wanted to add, you know, when we're thinking about folks who have been overlooked, kept out, underinvested in, uh, we also, as a women-owned business, have really worked hard over the past few years to to build up uh, our relationships with other women in the Minnesota cannabis business space as well. So we launched the Minnesota Cannabis Business Network uh, back in 2019, and it's a it's a it's a space for for women, uh, frankly, for anybody who does not identify as a man, uh, to come together and work with and and learn from each other. So we find that you know women. Uh, this you know this space in particular, the cannabis space is very collaborative, and on top of that, women tend to be great collaborators as well. And so, we've taken um, some opportunities, you know, certainly to bring folks together and also to be together and go to other events where where we see women in this space wanting to uh, you know branch into different areas, wanting to work with other women, wanting to learn from other women. And so, when we're thinking about you know folks who are are more likely to be left behind or have historically been left behind, that's also a group that's important to us to continue to uplift. Now, both of you just came back from MJ Biz. I didn't get a chance to specifically know what, how involved if, what you did. If you got the chance to speak at the show, but you go in with the fact that you have the passage of adult use legalization now in Minnesota. Obviously, there must be a lot of people that are looking to go and work with your team because you were involved in that process. And on top of that, as consultants you're obviously getting some people that are going to say, well, we want to go ahead and, you know, set up shop in Minnesota. Yeah, so we we did not speak at, at MJ BizCon as far as... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big money at Menards. 
is, you know, on the official agenda, but we also did nothing but speak at MJ BizCon. Right. Certainly a lot of folks that were interested in in talking to us and understanding, you know, what, what we did in Minnesota, how it was different and how it was accessible, you know, for other states, as you asked up top, you know, we know that there is broad interest from folks nationwide to see uh, the legalization of an adult use cannabis market come online. And we we absolutely had had a lot of folks to talk to um, about that. And it was it was really exciting. Um, Laylee, I'll let you say more about the uh, the other part of that prompt. Yeah. What is the the other part? of? Oh, just a, what your involvement was at MJ Biz and who you were talking to on the show floor that they were interested in finding out the success that's being done right now, the chances, the possibilities in Minnesota and what you would be able to do to help them get in that process to get them started, to get embedded in, the, in Minnesota itself. Yeah. And also the the folks who might want to come into Minnesota and right. how we are helping them think about what that entry may look like from out of state. So the thing that is, um, you know, really animating a lot of people to be excited about Minnesota right now, what a lot of folks want to talk to us about is that, um, you know, in addition to legalizing adult use cannabis a year prior, we legalized low dose hemp derived edibles. So um, those preceded a full adult use market. And as a result, Minnesota right now has the nation's most exciting retail market for cannabis products, especially in the realm of beverages and edibles. I mean, you know, A, you can get THC beverages and edibles, and you can get them um, at hemp shops, but you can get them in bars, restaurants, liquor stores, the bowling alley, the hair salon, you name it, you can get these products. And that's super exciting. Um, and so oftentimes our conversations with folks at BizCom was starting there, but as we shared with them more about how it was that we structured the advocacy effort to bring about legalization and the way we engaged our local industry members and our local legacy industry members and advocates in the actual development of our adult use legalization party, that's really uh, uh, our effort. That's really where... Um, you know, we would see people all of a sudden be like, wait, now we want to talk about this. We didn't know. And so having this conversation about just what our fundamental, the difference in our approach was to creating a legal marketplace. Um, so we had a lot of conversations, yeah, that were centered on that. Um, and yeah, coming out of BizCom, we're really excited to be, um, you know, hosting a lot of folks who, after talking to us, said, well, we want to come to Minnesota and see what's happening there. And we said, we we want you to come as well. Um, and then in terms of, you know, yeah, go ahead. Oh, the other area I want to ask about and focus on is the fact that with Minnesota now opening up for cannabis, you know, as a market, one of the areas I would imagine would be an issue would be is that Minnesota is a joint with Canada. There's a border, there's eight border crossings between Minnesota and Canada. And the fact that there might be some people that in order to go ahead and counteract those that before legalization came into play, were probably going up to the border to go ahead and pick up uh, cannabis from Canada and bring it back down. Yeah, I don't know. That is a topic that we've had to particularly contend with in terms of cross-border stuff. There's been much more interest in like people from Wisconsin and, you know, other states that haven't legalized and what that means in terms of them coming in. Um, But more so even than, you know, having concerns from 
from you know what traffic from bordering states looks like. It has actually opened up a lot of opportunity to begin talking with folks in our neighboring states about what we can do to um, help them develop the local infrastructure to legalize in their states as well. Well, is there I think the more likely that- thing was a was a drive to Chicago, um, and luckily we're going to have a much lower tax rate here. So, in addition to it being less than a six hour drive to get cannabis, it'll be much more affordable as a consumer. Now, meanwhile, we're worrying about the fact that what consumers were to make sure they go ahead and get them directed to buy from Minnesota, grown in Minnesota. Is there anything in terms of the fact of the adjacency of being to Canada? If there's anything in, not in terms of where the cultivation might be put together, but is there any kind of collaborative efforts that might be done with companies that are up in, say, Manitoba or Ontario, anything like that, that could be where there could be some collaboration of minds? It's possible. Right now, that doesn't seem to be the focus of our local industry. And especially if we're looking geographically at those northern parts of the states, the northern parts of the states are going to be among the ones that have some of the earlier access to adult use because our, um, our uh, indigenous nations yeah. here have gotten, uh, you know, by by compact the ability to uh, open up their recreational markets earlier, and those are open to other Minnesotans as well. So there's been actually a lot more conversation about where there can be collaboration along those lines um, than than you know looking external to Canada. But it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. That's a great point. Indigenous tribes, and there's quite a few that are actually within expansive, the so 11 tribal nations, if I'm reading this correct. What is their involvement so far in the process? And have you got a chance to speak with any of those folks? Yeah, I mean, we worked closely with folks from the tribes during the legislative um, session to make sure, you know, um, they really directly handled their engagements with the legislature and and the governor's office in terms of getting the compacting language um correct but uh to to their liking but the um you know we've engaged quite a bit with them both at the legislature and at the level of industry especially in the hemp realm um you know there's been quite a bit of support and collaboration happening between some of the tribes and then um folks in in the state of Minnesota. So um, we consider them important partners. We consider them, um, you know, and especially when it comes to a state like Minnesota, where our medical program has been incredibly, incredibly restrictive and expensive during this period of time where we're transitioning to adult use and we're waiting for, um, you know, adult use licenses to get, adult use businesses to get licensed. Um, The fact that folks now have the tribal dispensaries to go to, I think it's a huge help. So just going to put everything full circle for what's being done in Minnesota and the opportunities of the market are expanse and unique at best. There's a lot there, especially in indigenous, when you're talking about areas in terms of cornering up against the market where you have competing markets that are you know around the borders of where Minnesota is, that dynamic, again, where there's just such a rural community to the north, where Minneapolis and all to the south, you have the, you have all this different dynamics of metropolitan, suburban, and to rural to work with, and a different approach to social equity. It's obviously, much more important to make sure that legacy operators had a say in the conversation, had a, ta- a seat at the table, and that's exactly the, the kind of ideas that we want to see from every market that's going opening up right now. I mean, New York might have been a little bit different. Ohio's obviously going to be much different, we imagine. But 
with what's being done as the blueprint for Minnesota, you're making the point that Blunt Strategies itself is able to go ahead and offer, you know, some really great consulting opportunities for those that can see what you've done in Minnesota and what it will do for the markets they're in. Talk to us about what you can do at Blunt Strategies for those people out there listening in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no one, uh, you know, you can't take the approach in the marketplace from one state and directly, you know, paste it into another. I think the important lesson coming out of Minnesota and where we're always uh, happy to help folks in other states think through is how do you create a cannabis marketplace that is reflective of the sensibilities and the needs of your local stakeholders? Ultimately, the cannabis industry in a state should be set up to produce economic benefits and social benefits for the people of that state, especially those who have been most disproportionately impacted by the bad prohibition policies of that state. Um, and whereas legalization in a lot of other states, it has happened where, you know, a national group comes in, they set up infrastructure for you know, running a state legalization campaign. And then once that's done, that turns into, you know, the industry association and you've got a bit more of a cookie cutter type thing. Um, we're always happy to go into states and help folks figure out how to make sure that their local stakeholders, including those from the legacy market, exactly as you said, have a central seat at the table and are helping to really formulate the policies as well as just what the the ethos and the direction of the industry is um, to make sure it's one that is, you know, hospitable and supportive towards those it should be. And so I also want to make you mention, I've noticed that on your LinkedIn page, uh, congratulations. I see that both you, uh, Laley and Laura, have been named as the Twin Cities Business 100 to Watch list for 2024. Congratulations on that distinction. And Thank you. No, absolutely. And so for what you're doing right now, Blunt Strategies, what a great name, a great website, good URL, bluntstrategies.com, Elevate Ideas for a Growing Industry. And for those that want to go and work with you, you know, there's various services that you offer in terms of marketing, PR, public affairs, and strategic consulting. And, you know, for those that should get a discovery call with your team, what should they be doing so they could qualify themselves that they know they should be working with you? Yeah, I mean, if you're in the state of Minnesota, it's probably a good idea to give us a call just because, you know, we spent a good five years building the relationships and the knowledge that we knew, you know, all of our local folks in the industry would need, um, whether that's, you know, our services or if it's, you know, you need help just navigating who else in your supply chain or personal relationships, things like that. We are there is a resource for um, folks in Minnesota writ large and folks from out of state that are interested in getting involved in Minnesota's market. Um, there certainly is that need for the knowledge and the experience that comes from other states. So give us a call. Um, we're always looking for partners. We always know folks on the ground locally who need um, partners, other consultants, assistants. Um, you know, we're there to uh, kind of matchmaking quarterback. So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, again, also for blood strategy, you can look for them all across the social media when it comes to Instagram, Facebook, X, formerly Twitter and LinkedIn. And among other things, really appreciate you taking time out. They're going to talk to us. Uh, glad we got a chance to talk to you after MG Biz and congratulations on Minnesota. Can't wait to get more information about what's going on. So 
as Minnesota continues to go ahead and evolve and get their cannabis program off the ground, we'd love to go and keep the door open to have you on back. Would love that. Thank you. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks so much. Again, partners and principals at Blunt Strategies, Lily Fadai and Laura Monginsberg. Thank you again for being on with us here on Grassroots Marketing. Appreciate you taking time out. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.